Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I pray that you would move. God, break through the walls of the hard-hearted in here. Lord, sometimes hard hearts don't, don't seem angry. They don't seem bitter, Lord. They seem cold and arrogant and shut down, and I pray that you'd move. Uh, there's no coincidences, Father, that you've set this day up for people, and I pray that those that don't know you would hear, would have ears to hear, uh, and you would grab their heart. And for all of us, Father, that we would, um, man, sit in the confidence uh, of your glory, and that comes with that, and um, who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Before we start, I mean what I'm about to say, okay? It's going to seem utter, a little dramatic. Today, I'm under no illusion that I'm going to see some of you ever again. That's just reality. So I want to say this before we get started. Today, you're going to have the opportunity to make the most important decision, some of you, of your entire life. Now, you're going to think that that's just words. You've probably heard this before, and you're probably here because your great Aunt Edna invited you. But I'm serious, that you're going to have a choice between life and death. And you may get another one. You may get another opportunity, but there isn't a promise of that. There's no promise that tomorrow's going to come. So that's the first thing. The second one is to some of you long-term Christians with cold hearts and angry hearts. <clears throat> you know, sometimes knowledge, right, right, breeds contempt. Do you know what that means? That means you've become so familiar with what you believe to be the truth that nobody can teach you, remind you, even God. So you, you set yourself up as the great judge of each church you visit, right? Where you give them their A, B, C, D, E, F. That's not true. <clears throat> Think about those things today. Jesus, regardless of where you're at in this room, Jesus was special. He was special. Undeniably special. Every major religion in the world, at worst, counts him as a prophet. That's a fact. He wasn't wealthy. He wasn't politically powerful. He didn't have an important last name. He didn't lead a revolution. He didn't win any military victories. He was just a carpenter. In fact, his town was the wrong side of the tracks that when he showed up and began to speak, people go, there's no way somebody important came from Nazareth. Now, there were people that thought this, this carpenter, well, before we go back, this carpenter, though, right? This, going back to him being something special. <clears throat> he changed, regardless of what you think he is or was, he changed the literal course of human history. Right? Even if some of you in this room say he wasn't who he said he was, that he's just a good man, a good teacher, Christianity, his followers, have shaped the last 2,000 years. with some fishermen and bad people. There were people that thought he was the Messiah. What's the Messiah? It's the guy that's going to come and save everyone. If you were here last week, we talked about that. Andy talked about Palm Sunday, right? They welcomed him. They put the palm, down, palm tree leaves down. They were saying like a red carpet, look, the king's here. The Messiah's come. He is going to overthrow these, these Romans. He's going to free us. He's the promised one who's going to set the captives free, overthrow Roman rule. He's going to overthrow Rome. He's going to make a new powerful Israel. This is what we've been waiting for. But a week later, 
less than a week later, they changed their minds. In the course of that week, right, from the time that he celebrated, in which when you go back and read it, you see why he's sad now. Imagine sitting there knowing that the same people who are cheering you one minute are going to be calling for your death the next. In one week, one of his best friends betrayed him. They turned him over to the religious elite, the good people, right? The good people. The high priests accused him of blasphemy, right? They were waiting. See, it wasn't blasphemy to say you're the Messiah and not enough to kill someone. There were plenty of people that claimed to be the Messiah. But he said something different, right? He claimed to be God, the Son of God. So these... Religious elites hit him and tore his clothes, and then being the cowards that they were, and religious elites sometimes still are, they took him, and they handed him over to someone else to do their dirty work. This guy's here to cause problems. This guy's going to try to overthrow your government. Look at him. So they took him to a guy named Pilate. doesn't matter for you. It could be a mayor, whatever makes you feel comfortable. He's in control of the region, a governor. Pilate talks to him, meets him. He asks him, why are you turning this guy over to me? What you're saying isn't illegal. It's not death. On and on and on. So then Pilate comes and brings Jesus to him, calls him in in John 18, 33 through 37. It'll be on the screen for you. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters. He summoned Jesus after talking to them and said to them, are you the king of the Jews? Right? To be a king, Caesar doesn't like that. Jesus answered, are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, your own nation and chief priests handed you over to me, right? Your own people handed you over to me. What have you done so bad? This is important. My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And see, that's where some of you still live. So you're caught up in this kingdom. You're caught up in all this. And some of you, listen, there's some of you that don't know Jesus. You're caught up in this kingdom. Some of you know Jesus, right? And you're caught up in this kingdom of religion. This kingdom of, right, if I look good enough. So Pilate asks in verse 37, you're a king then, Pilate asks. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. Listen to this. I was born for this. And I've come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The question is today that some of you are going to get to ask yourselves, and you should, is am I of the truth? So Pilate takes him out in front of the crowd, and they had a a tradition to kind of placate the Jews. They will release one of your criminals free. Look how nice Caesar is. So they bring him out and a guy named Barabbas who is a a murderer. He really was someone that was trying to overthrow. And he said, hey, which one do you want? This guy or this guy? Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 20, actually. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate addressed them again, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What has this man done wrong? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. 
But they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices went out. Their voices. I told you earlier, some of you in the room, you get to say, hey, you, get, you have a choice of a lifetime. See, there are still only two choices. So to put this in a little bit of perspective for you, when you deny him as Lord, you are one of the people saying crucify him. Well, no, I'm neutral. No, you're not. There is no neutral. He doesn't give you that option, and we'll get to that in a second. They kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices went out, so Pilate decided to grant their demand and release the one they were looking for who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder, but he handed Jesus over to their will. Why? Talk to this like, why? Hey, right? The crowd yelled, crucify him. Why one minute are, praise you, king of kings. Yes, you've come here. Why? Because he didn't answer them the way they wanted to. He wasn't the Messiah they chose. And sometimes we get stuck in that today. You say, well, if he was God, he would give me the money I want. He would have saved my marriage. He would have made me better. He would have cleaned this mess up. If he would have just done what I wanted, I would glorify him. They couldn't stand the fact, right? If What happened here? We, we put our hope in you. You could have stopped this, and now here you are a criminal. If you're a criminal, if you were captured by the Romans, then you weren't who you said you were. Remember, they saw miracles. And so they beat him. And you guys know, everyone in the room knows. You've probably seen the Passion of Christ. I could show you that. But they beat him. Ripped his flesh. Mocked him. Put the color of nobility on him, right? Purple, a crown of thorns jammed in on his head. Ripped his flesh, made him carry his cross. After losing so much blood, it fell on him. Most likely, experts say, right, he was beginning to drown in his own blood as his lungs were punctured. And it isn't just, see, crucifixion isn't just the pain of crucifixion. It would have been terribly painful, right? But it was the shame of it. It was for the shameful people. They put it on display, right, for everyone to see. It wasn't just the most painful way. It was the most shameful way. Same section, Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 32. It says, two other criminals were also led to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. You've become so numb to this. I wouldn't do that. Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. They mocked him even then. He saved others. Let him save himself. He saved others. He saved others. Miracle worker. Some of you in the room say, hey, if you would just show up in this way for me and do a miracle, I'd follow and believe. No, you wouldn't. There's a difference between acknowledging someone's power and submitting to them as king. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. 
Then one of the criminals there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Hours passed. In Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, starting at 45, we, we see what happened. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. You think that's just for, for story purposes, don't you? We'll see. I'll show you. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It wasn't just the pain and the death. You see, to take our sins, to take our ugliness, I'll explain in a minute, meant that God couldn't even look at it. The things you've done in the dark that no one knows about hung on him that day. Every secret, every lie, every shameful thing that even today you haven't told anyone. He knew and he willingly took it. When some of them, when some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion, that's a soldier, and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, truly this man was the son of God. You think that's just in the Bible? It's not. There's extra biblical accounts, non-Christian accounts that there was an earthquake, that darkness had come over the land, that people said they were seeing dead people raised. But you need more proof, right? And that was it. Right then and there is the moment. This is the moment when Jesus could have just been exactly what everyone says he was, that everyone would admit, prophet, good man, good teacher, maybe even miracle worker. That's it. If the story ended there, they're right. But it didn't. Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1, says, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, Don't be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified he, has not, he is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then quickly, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. And I want to tell you, man, I wanted to read them all about how he showed up to the disciples. It's fun. Go read it. Messed with them a little, I think. Right? Made it more exciting. But one of the things when he, he said when he came back in Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 44, listen, he was risen. They did see him. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, 
that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day in repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Matthew 28, beginning at 18 says, and then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You need proof before we go on. Right? You need proof. Science doesn't show that. You know what's really popular right now? I said this a few weeks ago. Right? We got this, Grant. We got this. Pick. Good. <clears throat> so I'm a weirdo. AI. Anyone mess with that? You know they're trying to shut that down? Long story. AI doesn't care about your emotions, does it? You jumped early, Grant. It doesn't care about your emotions. Not, they already know. <laughs> All right? They don't care about your emotions, does it? Does it care? Does it have feelings? No, it doesn't. So I asked it a question, what are the extra biblical accounts of the resurrection? And it told me them, and brag a little, I knew all of them except one. So, see, I read. But then I ask an interesting question. Now you can, Grant. Surprise. I said, what's your opinion on the resurrection of Jesus Christ based on these historical writings? I asked the AI, listen to this. As an artificial intelligence language model, I do not have personal opinions or beliefs. However, based on the historical writings, it's clear that the belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ was widespread and held by many people, both within and outside of the Christian community. The fact that multiple independent sources, including non-Christian writers, mention the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus lends credence to the historical reality of these events. It's enough evidence for the AI. See, science is some of your gods. Your God says it's possible. In fact, says it's probable. Get rid of it. Maybe he was just a prophet, right? Maybe he was just a man. Maybe he was just a teacher. That could have been true. But the resurrection says otherwise. That single event, listen to me, you're already here changed the course of human history. It changed the trajectory of creation. It proved Jesus' claims. It is the thing, it's the single thing, right, that differentiates him between the prophets, between Buddha, between anyone you know, is he said, I will rise again, and he did it. Stay with me here. The resurrection, everybody's cool with the Bible, right? Everyone, good advice. Everyone would say that, good wisdom. But the resurrection does something very interesting to all of us. The resurrection forces us to deal with a reality outside of our understanding. In this room today, whether or not you believe what I'm telling you, what AI told you, right? What anyone else tells you, God tells you the Bible, no matter what, you're going to have to make a decision today. You don't get a choice. Your actions today are going to be determined by the decision that the resurrection forces you to make. It's the climax. It's the turning point. It's the moment of truth for all people, including you. Those of you in the room that are saved already, it already did. It changed, right? Pinball machine. Bing. 
When you hit against the resurrection, it changed your life. And if you're in the room and you know it, you're here celebrating for a reason because no matter how hard life is, no matter the trials that come, you still have reason to celebrate because you were dead and now you're alive. It's the turning point and the moment of truth for all people. You see, listen to me. The resurrection forces a decision. It's one of the few times I can guarantee you, you will make a decision today, one way or the other. And your silence is a decision. There is no middle ground. It changes the trajectory of every person that has heard, hears, and will hear the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then, now, and always, until the moment he comes back. And even then you'll lose your choice because every knee will bow and say, Jesus is Lord. It's inevitable. Listen to me. Jesus is inevitable. <laughs> That's what I just love it about him. Even the people in the room that don't believe he's real, he's forced you to make a decision. You still serve him because you still are forced to make a decision, and even your decision to reject him, right? That's okay. It's not, but you still made a decision. It's inevitable. Jesus is inevitable. And I have a question for you. She's going to come up and play some music. But as she's doing that, I have a question for you. Which way, when forced and faced with the inevitability of Christ, the inevitability of the resurrection, listen to me. I'm going to make it clear to you. Everyone in the room, you're probably here. You probably don't hate him. Or you wouldn't be in here. You're probably at least like, hey, he's okay. This I go for Aunt Edna, right? It's a decent day. I'm here. But here's the thing. The resurrection is going to force you to accept that he made a claim and he did it. So C.S. Lewis, my dead mentor, right? He says this, and I've said all the time, and he puts it very clear for us. There's only really three options. Jesus is a liar. He's a lunatic, right? Crazy people claim that. Or he is who he said he was. He's the son of God. Well, no, I'm going to add one. Prophet, not an option. Good man, not an option. Right? And then there's the people in the room, before I go on, who, before I even say this, you, you say, you know what, I believe that, Todd, so I'm good. No, you're not. There's a difference between recognition, right, of power and submission to authority. Some of you in this room have known Jesus and you think you're good because you don't hate him and you say, yeah, he was real, but that's not what he asks. He asks you to turn away from your life. He asks you to submit, to stop playing God, and you don't even play it very well. So as you sit here today, I'm going to ask you a question to think about, because remember, you're going to make a decision. Which way will you go today? Which way? There's only two. Well, I'll just sit here. That's a decision. Because here's the beauty of what the resurrection does. The resurrection is the completion of the good news. That's what the gospel means, good news. I'm going to talk to you like they talked to me because I had no clue what church is all about, right? I didn't get saved until I was like 18. So, I, you know, all you church folk, I, I didn't get it. Here's what I knew, right? I was at the stage some of you are at, which is like, I like this Jesus. 
I like this guy. In order for it to be good news, you have to hear the bad news. God created everything. There is a creator, the Father, right? God created everything, and he made it perfect. And he said, really, there's one rule, despite what everyone tells you. I'm God, you're not. I will tell you what right and wrong is. That's what the tree was all about. What do you need to know the knowledge of evil for? If you follow me, it is good. And you know what we did? Well, I didn't do a touch. Yeah, you did. We'll get to that. Adam and Eve rejected that. They decided they knew better than him. And in that moment, in their rebellion, a disease entered humanity. Sin is a disease, a curse. It's inside of us. And some of you are like, well, I'm a pretty good person. Maybe. Maybe you've controlled some of the symptoms, but you still have the disease. And in that moment, because of our evil, because of our our stains, our sins, our rebellion. We are separated from a holy God. The standard is not pretty good. The standard is not I'm a good person. The standard is not I'm in charity. I go to church. The standard is perfection. Unless you're perfect, you're in trouble when the time of judgment comes, whether tomorrow or when he comes back. Everyone dies. Because sin entered the world, it separated us from God, and we wandered far away. And God tried to come to us, right? And he said, listen, you need to understand how far you've went from me. So here's 10 rules. Can you follow 10 things? Guess what? We didn't follow them, and we don't today. Well, I'm good. No, you reject God. Every time you do something he tells you not to do or don't do something he tells you to do, you reject his authority. You make the decision over and over again. Make no mistake. You have earned your wages. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's why we die. It's corrupted. And so unless you can be perfect, you cannot be connected to God again. You cannot be cured. You're still guilty. And even if today somehow you were perfected, you're still guilty from all of the other things you've done. How do I know that? Well, listen, I'll come into your house and I'll kill your dog and steal your money and beat your husband or wife and shoot them. And then when I go before the judge, I'll say, I was really good for 360 days of the year. I just had these few bad days. And then the judge goes, okay, go home. You're mostly a good person. That's not justice. And we know that. We just change the rules for ourselves. The first time you rejected his authority was enough. You're guilty. And that's where we sit until Jesus. God told us that when we couldn't come to him, when we couldn't clean ourselves up enough, he would come to us. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, guys, thousands of years before. The odds of Jesus fulfilling all of them, even half of them, is almost non-existence, and he fulfilled them all. They said where he would come from, what he would do, what he would be, how he would do it. It said it all. And then He told us what was going to happen and then did it. Jesus came down. God invaded this earth. When we couldn't come to him, he came to us. He taught us how to live, told us what the kingdom was truly like, the beauty of what it's supposed to be, how we should act, and also showed us how far away we are from him. How our good is not very good. You see, if I compare myself to a serial killer, I'm a decent person. But if I compare myself to a lot of you in the room, I'm not. And the same goes for you. So that's where we're left. That's where some of you are today. You are dead and you don't know it yet. And you're living your life like this much. 
if, you're, if the Lord blesses you with 80, 90, even 100 years, this much of eternity, the good news is that it's not that Jesus taught us the way. The good news is not that Jesus did miracles. The, the good news is not that Jesus told you how to have a good marriage. The good news is the fact that he found a way to pay the penalty so that we could live again. On the cross, you don't have to understand all of it. Stop lying to yourself. It was enough for AI. The reality is that on that cross, he took our sins. How's that possible? Time doesn't exist to God. Are you kidding me? And he took it on him. Everything you've done and the only thing you have to do, see, he offers you a chance today, today, not tomorrow, not 10 minutes from now, today. Listen, here is the chance you get. Will you stop playing God? Will you come to him and admit your need for a savior? Or do you want to bet on yourself before a holy God that you're good enough when the standard's perfection? Jesus rose on the third day to day where 500 witnesses attested this, including non-Christian extra-biblical sources. He was raised from the dead. He defeated death. He proved who he was. And this is what he said. If you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord and was raised from the dead, if you repent, turn away from your life, it doesn't mean become perfect. It doesn't mean you got to have all your addictions fixed today or be perfect. It just means are you willing to say, God, I need you. Jesus, I believe. I don't know how this is going to work. I give you my sin willingly, and I will follow you to the best of my ability. I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but today I will follow you. I put my faith in you. I turn back to you. Will you do that today? You're going to have an opportunity, a few minutes. It may seem long. It's not going to be. A few minutes. And there's going to be people up here willing to pray for you. This altar is here for you. The Bible tells us, Jesus told us another promise. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. He's here. I don't see him. You don't see UV rays too, but you sure slather on that sunscreen. He's here. And he loves you so much that he gave you today. He gave you this moment. He gave you this choice. He gave you this turning point today. Some of you have been here before, and I hope to God, if nothing else, I see you next Easter. But he gave you today. Well, I, I'm a Christian. I, I grew up. I grew up. It. My mom and dad were. No. You know in your heart right now if you've truly given your life to Christ, if you said, I'm done with my way. I'm not talking religion, guys. I'm not talking pretending to be good enough because here's the facts. Even after coming to know him and he transforms you, right? Because what he says will happen if you do that, if you confess with your lips. You gotta say it. Well, I'm gonna say it in my heart. That means you're ashamed. If you're willing to say it, confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, what will happen is you are clean. It is finished. He takes your sin, wipes it away, then, now, and forevermore, and does something incredible, right? Remember what I told you. If you were perfect from this point on, it wouldn't be enough. He pays the price for every future mistake you ever made. He was the perfect sacrifice. Perfect. You don't need to live in shame. I don't care what that pastor told you. I don't care what the guy on TV said. I don't care. The fact is, there is only one way to be saved. And Jesus said, if you put your faith in him, no matter the sins you may make in the future, you're gonna mess up. He said, you're never gonna be away from me because even when you let go of me, I'll never let go of you. He said that.
told you at the beginning that you're going to have the most important decision in your life and you're about to have it. Now, I was you, and this is one of those times I can speak of this, and I was in your shoes. Got invited, my buddy, right? He's here. He thought I was saved. He'll tell you that. I was a nice guy. Yeah, he's right in the front. I wasn't. Because I looked, you know, I, I looked the part. I was a good guy. I was raised with morals. I wasn't saved. He brought me so our really bad friend would get saved. <laughs> and I heard the same thing you're hearing. And when I made, they raised their hand, right? They did the raise hand thing in the dark. And they're like, who wants it? And I was like, I want it. And then they tricked me. And they said, okay, everyone that did, it's got to go back behind that door. Imagine that. You guys ready to go behind this door? That's creepy. Anyway, but I'm gonna t- I didn't get up. Everyone got up and started walking. And there's a guy, and this is something important for some of you in the room who think you don't make a difference in eternity. A guy, I'll never know his name until, until heaven, until paradise. Whispered in my ear, just a simple sentence. He just said, you don't have to be afraid. And I stood up and I went back and I prayed a prayer, got a Bible, and my life changed forever. I have not been perfect. I'm not a great person. But Jesus is good, and life isn't always easier following him, but I promise you it's better. And even if it wasn't, if all the promise was was eternal life, it'd be enough. So I'm going to say it to you today. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of what your girlfriend thinks, your mom thinks. I think the person next to you thinks when these lights go down, they're going to see me go up. They're going to realize who cares. Who cares? It's you and God in the moment of truth. Well, everyone's thought I've saved. I've been in the church for 40 years. I'm easy to fool. He's not. These people are here to pray with you. Why are they up here? Because if you're anything like me, you didn't know how to do this. And so they led me in a prayer, right? They led me and showed me. And these people, listen, I don't trust anybody. I'm gonna tell you the truth. But I trust these people. They're good people. I'll be wandering around too if this gets full. Whatever it is, respond today. And those Christians in the room, Maybe you've been stuck in a, in a pattern, right? Maybe you've been living in shame. Maybe you're in sin. Maybe you're, you're condemning yourself for things that happened a long time ago. Maybe other people are condemning you. How about today you remember the turning point and let today be a turning point where you say, no, why would I carry something that Jesus already paid for? Why would I carry a weight that's already been removed? Don't listen to the lies. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to. What? will you do today? Okay, well, hey, um, we're going to do something special now, and if you are, if you made that commitment today, you're a part of this, and I'm so excited for you, Um, but we're going to take communion today, and what is communion? It'll seem kind of weird, right? We're going to eat these little crackers and drink this juice. And the reason we do that is because Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of what he did. And it sounds a little kooky, right, at first, but the, he wants us to remember as we eat that, that, that that cracker, that's his flesh that he gave up for us, right? And that that blood that washes us clean, that sacrifice, that we take a moment and recognize that, right, and, and, be, and be refreshed in who we are in him. So if you're a believer in this room, we invite you to take communion with us. What you're going to do is you're going to go to the outside in a row, come and get it, and then go back to your seat down the middle. Make sense that we don't have any car crashes? Um, if you're not a believer, no one's going to notice this, but Scripture does warn, don't take this. It's very serious. Do not take communion. Just take this time and get yourself right. And this goes for everyone else, you know. If there's ways in, in that you're, you've been rejecting him and you are a follower, you know, make that right. 
and then come into this and be refreshed. But uh, this is a, a holy time, and um, yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you did for us, and Lord, we take this time right now. We put aside what we have to do after tomorrow, and we sit in this moment and remember uh, what you did, Lord, as we eat this cracker, Lord, that we, that it, this bread, that it is your body that you gave up for us. And that this juice is the blood, Father, that you shed for us, Lord Jesus, that washes us clean. And God, um, for anyone in the room who's still on the edge, that they're not there, I pray, Lord, in this moment they'd respond because you're still calling them. You're still giving them that moment of truth. We thank you in advance. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. Lord, it was said I don't want to say it again. Thank you. The fact that you rose again, dying on the cross for our sins, a gift that we don't deserve. Lord, we sang your praises, Lord. We heard your word and your truth, Lord. I ask right now, you just help us cling on to that. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this once more. The fact that we don't have to do this, we get to do this. We get to praise you. We get to worship you. We get to hear your truth and your word, Lord. And I ask that you just not let it stop here, Lord. Let us leave here holding on to this and move and change in a world that desperately needs you, Lord. I ask that you just give us safe travels and just bring us back here next week ready to praise and worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.